I'm waiting for you to say something. The music is overwhelming me, Mike Moore. <laughs> I can't hear myself think. <laughs> oh, mercy. We are at least six feet apart from each other. Um, I'm six feet apart from you. I'm probably five from Joe. Yeah, this... Yeah. <laughs> we, just look, we just look ridiculous. Uh... Oh, we got a visitor yeah, on. Here's the sad part. Uh, I got yelled at by our librarian for coming into the office this morning. <laughs> Good. And I said, don't blame me for this. This is Mike Moore's fault. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's easy. He That's said, easy to say. are you doing the lieutenant governor thing <laughs> from Texas? <laughs> Kill off all the old people as oh, fast yeah, as possible yeah. so we can get on with it. Yes. And by the way, I probably shouldn't be joking about this because I am one of those old people. <laughs> oh, social Darwinism for boomers. <laughs> all right. All right, folks. Oh, welcome wow. to a Theology on Mission podcast in the middle of the coronavirus epidemic. Uh, I should say pandemic. And we have taken... Um, undue liberties to come into the bowels of Northern Seminary, otherwise known as the library. The we basement. are separated by at least <laughs> six feet. Uh, we're not Stop allowed moving, in the Mike. building, Stop actually. <laughs> we have a special guest here, Pastor Joe Mitchell. You might remember him from last year uh, when we were talking about some key issues. Um, and so, anyways, uh, Mike, how you holding up uh, in the coronavirus? Yeah, I'm doing okay. I, I live in a pretty small apartment, so you go stir crazy after a little while. But um, I don't have any kids, and my my heart goes out to people who are trying to work and also trying to parent parent at the same time. But yeah, we're doing well. We're doing well in Chicago. Um, do, do we want to introduce Joel? Well, Joe? Well, wait, or can we just do a little more? Ban- okay. I mean, we did okay. come in to be with each other. <laughs> And we risked uh, getting yelled at to do so. <laughs> so the least we can do is I just want to ch- So uh, let me tell you a positive that's come out of this. Please. Me and my son are watching. This is going to sound, you know, so heretical. But my son and I, my 15-year-old son and I, are watching more TV together nice. than we have ever. But we're able to discuss it, talk about it. There's issues in this particular program. I don't want to tell you which one we're watching, what we're binge watching, because I don't want to be judged by okay. either you or Joe, who's also with us today. We're going to announce him here shortly. It's married folks. at first sight. It's one of those <laughs> dating. I would shows. never judge you. Never judge you. <laughs> but uh, there's things in there that are sexually inappropriate that we get to talk about. Right. There's a lot of violence in there that we right. get to talk about. We get to talk about the nature of evil. We're having some of the best times ever. All right. Great. And uh, I just want, you know, that's, that's from having a teenager stuck in the house with dad and mom for uh for a, a week well anyways it's time unless you got something else you want to add. no i was going to ask joe if there's anything positive that's come out of it in his household positive that has come out of this in my household yes my wife made up which i knew was going to happen made up a wonderful honey-do list while right. we're stuck in the house hey let's do some things so let's see what is today thursday so between monday and tuesday we painted our office in the basement oh wow 
And now she's like, yeah, let's paint the kitchen next. Oh, okay, yeah, sure. Let's oh, paint the kitchen. Man. So next week we will we will paint the kitchen. So I'm assuming those are positive. You know, we're spending time together yeah. and we're painting and Doing talking about together. life. Yeah, yeah. The kids are looking at us like we're crazy. But, hey, it's all good. <laughs> it's all good. Besides being uh, an expert painter, you want to give us a little, little more of an introduction as to what's on your resume? On my resume. I mean, it's really who, short. Who, 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 yeah, <laughs> it's, sorry. It's really, it's really short. I just mean uh, who you are, what you're up to. Sure. <laughs> well, my legal name is George Joseph Mitchell, named after my two grandfathers. Uh, go by Joe, and I humbly serve as the senior pastor of New Hope Missionary Baptist Church, which is in DeKalb, Illinois, about 60 miles west of Chicago, College Town, Northern Illinois University. It's about two miles away from the church. Uh, we are celebrating, God willing, our 33rd church anniversary Wow! Uh, nice. in, um, in July, and a uh, proud graduate of Northern Seminary, and also a proud graduate of Judson College. I'm ABC, like, through and through, Yeah. and a proud graduate of uh, the Samuel DeWitt Proctor School of Theology at Virginia Union wow. University. So ABC has been... My track of education. American Baptist Churches, for those of you who don't know what that means. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And so we're so grateful to have uh, Pastor Joe with us again today to talk about some important topics. So what is the topic, Mike Moore? Yeah. What is the topic? topic? So, So check this out. Every week we do one of these, Dave comes on and says, on my Facebook, I put this up here and... I don't have enough room for friends. Well, for, well, everybody, listen to this. Easy. I got tons of room for friends. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I've even hit uh, half of what Dave has. So if you want to friend me, go ahead. I'm taking everybody. I'm, I'm even taking those people from, you know, f- from the Middle East who are spamming me about their <laughs> right, but their financial offers over Facebook. All right. Th- this is what I um I-, I put this up on March 20th. Um, Joe gave it a little like, and then we went back and forth, and a bunch of other people, too. A bunch of people from me. So I'm just going to read what I posted. Um, and this is about, uh, obviously, the coronavirus and in my church. Um, I wrote, uh, quote, I'm more apt to catch a bullet than the coronavirus. I've That's heard a quote, right? That's a quote. That is a quote, yeah. Quote, I'm more apt to catch a bullet than the coronavirus. Uh, the post continues, I've heard this a few times from our church this week. Being a congregation in a neglected neighborhood means many have lived under the constant threat of imminent death. They have experienced a lifetime of, quotes, coronaviruses. It seems that right now it would do the American church well to learn from churches familiar with persevering through suffering. But what would that actually look like? Question mark. Um, so just just unpack. I mean, I don't need to pack it too much. So so the topic is to summarize. Yes, yeah. uh, there's a majority world, uh, maybe affluent world way of looking at the coronavirus. Then there is another, maybe different, uh, significant different perspective that comes from those among us who ha- who come from the minority or the suffering. Yeah, world. and we need to look at that and understand that and kind of mine that for what we all can learn through this time. Yeah, and, and for me, I was just trying to make sense of everything that was going on in our neighborhood because I was surprised how many churches continued to meet. I mean, e- even this past Sunday, I was driving down the main thoroughfare in our church, yep. or in our neighborhood, and almost all the churches are meeting. Um, in, in that quote, I'm more apt to catch and a that bullet. that quote came from somebody. Um, it came from actually a few different people in my church. Yes. So I think maybe one person said it, and then people kind of 
uh, kept on repeating it. Um, but wh- what I what I realized, or I, I don't know if this is completely true, but um, they've been around imminent death their entire life. You know, so so now we have people who are worried about having enough food to eat, so they're stocking up on groceries. Yep. You know, we have people who don't know if their kids will get a good education or what they're going to do with childcare. And there's an entire population in America that's saying that's been the reality from day one. You know, people are worried about that's my everyday life. Yeah. You know, you're worried about being self isolated and quarantined. Well, from like slavery to mass incarceration, we've quarantined a population of America and said, you're not safe. Absolutely. So I, I mean, this is just me kind of, kind of as an outsider serving with the black church, but I wanted to bring, uh, Joe in because that's more up his alley and kind of pose this question, you know, what, what is it, what can we learn from this? What am I missing? Um, yeah. How do we move forward in the conversation? Yeah. Mike, let me ask you this. Uh, you talked about as you drove down a main thoroughfare, you were surprised the number of churches that were still having worship service on Sunday. Yeah. Uh, can I make an assumption the majority of those, would you assume, were African-American churches, black oh, churches? Oh, I mean, I, yeah, I think all okay. of them, yeah. Okay. Which I, I think from a historical perspective, um, even though I disagree with it, I understand it. Yeah. Um, I think when you look at it from a historical perspective, understanding the history of the black church in America, um, oftentimes the building has become one of the most valued Hmm. assets we have in our community. Um, You will have oftentimes churches where um, people don't own their homes, but they feel a sense of ownership in the building that they help maintain and keep um, in operation. And so that really becomes their pride and joy. And I think you also look at it from a historical perspective as well, knowing uh, what we've come through from um, a oppressed position where we could not assemble in churches um, after the Emancipation Proclamation and we were able to be more public in our worship. The church then became the place to gather, to congregate, to share information, um, to be community um, outside or inside the community. And so the building itself and that gathering has very deep roots that I believe are very difficult to break even in times like this hmm. where science is telling us we need yeah, to break yeah. we need to break yeah. that tradition at this time. Or it, it seems especially in times like this because yes. <clears throat> I, I, excuse me. I, I remember um, after 9/11, just like people flooding to the church. Yes. Um, you know, like this is where you go for refuge and for solace and for comfort. And I've seen that a little bit in our neighborhood. It's like, we don't know how to make sense of this. Like we, we don't know where else to go. Like where else do you go where you trust somebody? Like like you don't necessarily trust the news. Mm -hmm. Um, you don't trust what's happening downtown Chicago. You don't trust the politicians, but you go to the church because that's like who you can trust. Um, Hmm. Sorry, hmm. Dave did a hmm. 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 So let's hmm. toss it, toss it hmm. over him. Oh, Joe and I, I, Joe and hmm. I had just been having a conversation, and I wanted to bring, we left no, him out. Sorry. I wanted to no, bring no, Dave no, in. I'm sorry. Come on in. <laughs> I thought that was uh, a uh, important observation. Uh, can't trust the news. Can't yeah. trust Washington D.C. Right. Can't trust this. But the church is a place yes. you can trust, and I think that's a little bit different for say affluent millennial. Yeah. Uh, people living in America who actually disdain and distrust the hypocrisy of the church. Right. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. It's a little bit of a. But not so 
in minority or oppressed uh, neighborhoods, black church. Would you, Joe, is it, make a comment? Is that is that accurate? Yes, I would um, agree. Um, it is accurate. Um, and let me say this. Um, when we say black church, I just want to make sure that we're not um, putting it um, in a monolithic um, mm-hmm. in a monolithic perspective, um, but an overarching perspective when we when we use the term mm-hmm. um, black church. But yes, to your point, I would agree with you. Again, historically, that was the place where we could get good information as it related specifically to us and our plight as as a people. Um, the several pastor friends that I have, um, all of us, if you look at our websites, if you look at our announcements that are still going out. <coughs> Um, to our congregations, um, they all have um, information from either WHO or from CDC hmm. as it relates to the um, COVID-19. Oh, interesting. Um, because it's important that as churches, we're sharing good information and not what we're seeing on social media or on news outlets. We're getting it from the scientists and we're passing it on to our people. Okay, yeah. Mm. What, what I've been surprised about in Dave, maybe you can jump into this. This might be kind of veering off a little bit, but I'm trying to keep it close to what we're talking about. Um, I've been surprised at how many of the conversations I see are about how to fix the problem, uh, not necessarily about how do we suffer well with each other. And and by this I mean, granted, most of the conversations I'm seeing are over social media, which is kind of ironic to the critique I'm going to make. But, But a lot of the conversations are about, okay, which web platform do we use? How do we do Zoom? How often do we do this? Um, it all kind of orients around Sunday still. Um, but there's not really much of a conversation about, oh, like we're suffering. What does it mean to suffer with each other um, as the church during the coronavirus? Yeah. So I don't know if either you want to take that. Uh, I, I, I am stunned by that. Uh, I think the conversations that have been, I, I don't know if you've noticed this, Joe, but over, over the various media platforms, especially church media platforms, just tons of information. How can we help the pastor? How can we help the church? And most of it is focused, even from my denomination, on how do we deliver goods and services during this time? How do we not disrupt the machine? And uh, I just don't think uh, that's what we should. Hey, we had an online service this Sunday, Mm -hmm. and it was great. And it was actually great, partially because it was interactive. Uh, It wasn't just a broadcast. But... um, but still, the main thing I think we should be focused on is how do we pastors go and be among those who are lonely, depressed, vulnerable, and how do we do it safely? How do we not put anyone yeah. else in danger? Uh, that's what I've spent my time uh, uh, writing about. And uh, by the way, I'll have another piece out on Outreach Magazine, if you're listening, uh, tomorrow. But um, yeah, that's what that, those are the things that interest me. Yeah. Can, can you preview that? article at all i mean because because um, i think what you're talking about uh, the way i hear it is that solidarity with suffering and, and I, i'd love to hear what joe thinks about that too but yeah. like how do you go and you be with people hey, Ma- matthew before 25 we get, before we get to the practical sure because uh, we are theology on mission absolutely theology <laughs> theology can i just throw one of my own Facebook yeah, posts yeah, on yeah. Theology? yeah go ahead, go ahead ask for you two guys uh-oh <laughs> okay uh-oh Here's here's eschato- the eschatology that we need to bear in mind, okay? Because we all Those know there words. are some, not all, 
with some Pentecostal churches that say, screw this, Jesus is Lord, and, uh, and <laughs> if me. anyone has a problem, just come up here and get slain by the Spirit. I'm falsely characterizing so many of my Pentecostal brothers and sisters, which, by the way, I consider myself a Pentecostal. But anyways, here's what I said. Because the New Age has not yet been consummated, Christians cannot presume victory over all death and all sickness in this moment. Okay, that's called overrealized hmm. eschatology. Uh, inviting sickness, promoting conditions for more sickness in our lives, it misunderstands the way God's victory and healing will be made manifest in the midst of suffering. Mm-hmm. Not inviting more suffering, but uh, so so. Then I say, um, lessons like like this Pentecostal church I was referring to our lessons in eschatology. Summarized, we need to understand that the way God's working to bring the fulfillment of the kingdom, and by the way, I believe healing of the body is part of the kingdom and the fulfillment of that kingdom. But we don't invite more suffering so to tempt God to do more because God never works that way. He comes into the suffering and works in and through the suffering to overcome the suffering through perseverance and sometimes healing. That changes the way we look, I think, at coronavirus. Comments, Joe. Comments, Mike. Let's hear it. Eschatology and the coronavirus. I I would definitely agree with you. Um, I saw... um a great quote on Facebook um, by um, a woman that passes a church right out of St. Louis. And she said, um, the spirit of the Lord is not in conflict with science. And um, I had to, had to think about that for a minute. And um, the more I thought about it, um, the more I had to agree with her. Um, I think sometimes we can over-spiritualize um, things and really um, put some very bad theology um, out into the world. And I've been heartbroken at the bad theology uh, that I've seen, like you, via Facebook, um, that's being put out there um, as it relates to um, you know continuing to do things that are normal to us, even though science is telling us we need to do something else. And, um, you know, it's sad to say, but um, our over-spiritualization of something like this is going to lead some of the members in our church to die. And their blood is going to be on the hands of the church, um, which to me is even more um, sad um, because we did not heed and understand um, that God can work through science. Uh, I've been seeing all these quotes. People want to quote, quote scripture right now, of course. Um, and it's interesting, the one that they stop at the comma is, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but they don't go past the comma. Comma, but of love and sound wisdom mm-hmm. and sound mind. <laughs> For some That'll reason, preach, folks. <laughs> that will, that's good. some reason they stop at the comma, but they don't go to the period. Uh, <laughs> and they, they eisegete it when they should be exegeting that text he's and a, reading it in He's context. a grad of Northern Seminary, ladies <laughs> and gentlemen. And I think so that, proud. that sound mind piece, that wisdom piece tells us that there's an element of the spirit that gives us sound mind to make wise decisions in times like this that aren't selfish but are communal decisions because of our love for our brother and sister around us. A- a- amen. And and so that's the problem of over-spiritualization and the diminishment of science and how to discern carefully science. I want to add a second theological discernment, 
And it's this, a lot of people, especially out of my Pentecostal heritage, have looked at healing as something God does apocalyptically. In other words, over and against the social realities that we're living in. Um, and, and no, I want to say he comes into the suffering. We must walk through suffering yeah. to get to the healing. And he overcomes evil, death, and sin in the way according to his purposes which often leads to healing so don't think that you so so my my grandfather was a faith healer in canada and uh and my grandmother had severe problems eating cashews every time she ate cashews she'd have a gallbladder attack at least this is the way i heard the story and one time my grandfather looks over at my grandmother and says i own I am. If you eat those cashews, I am not going to pray for your healing. What? Okay. What I'm trying to say is, we don't invite. We don't invite suffering for the sake of being delivered from suffering. Right. Suffering is part of what God is doing. To He enters in to overcome the world, and God does not want to increase the suffering. God wants to enter into the suffering right. to bring healing. Don't think you can go and say, I'm going to go get coronavirus. Screw the scientists. We're going to do whatever we want because <laughs> Jesus is going to go. That's not the way God works. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> Okay, so, so maybe speaking to the practical part, what does it look like to enter the suffering with God's spirit and being present with people during this time? Yeah. Yeah, you want... Uh, I've no, talked, I'm so, I've I've talked you know, a lot. That I'm was an alley-oop. Yeah, yeah. So um, kind of talk you talk about, in hockey terms for the person? No, no, no. Yeah, that's baseball, I think, right? <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> I think it's tennis. Um, <laughs> Um, I can kind of talk about what, what we've attempted yeah, to do um, at the church, and by no means are we perfect, but we're trying. Um, so as part of our mission statement, we talk about being the hands, feet, um, and the voice of our risen Savior, Jesus Christ. So um, when the leadership um, sat down and talked about how we closed down the church, there were two things um, that we wanted to make sure that we continued to do um, as part of being with people in suffering during this time and not walking away. Uh, so first and foremost, our church is located um, in an FDA-recognized food desert. And so we have a food pantry at the church that operates every Monday. And so the first thing we said was, okay, how do we put together plans if we're closing down the church to, by minimum, continue to operate our food pantry? Because we know, A, there's already people around the church suffering, and we also know that suffering is going to increase yeah, yeah. Um, in the times that we're living in. And so for us, that was important that we keep that open uh, to continue to walk with people in a time of suffering. The second thing that uh, we had to talk about is we entered into a partnership um, with District 428, which is the school district um, in DeKalb, um, to be a um, distribution location for uh, lunch and breakfast. The school districts have are mandated by law to continue to serve mm. uh, breakfast and lunch, um, even though the school is closed. And so mm. our church became um, a distribution point. And so those were the two things that we talked about first. How do we continue to maintain those two things, even though we're going to shut down everything else? Because it was important that we showed that the church, even in this time, is still going to walk um, with people during the suffering um, and not just close up and disappear, but still be in community yeah, yeah. Um, and try to serve people as best um, as we can. That's awesome. So that was the first two things that we talked about before we talked about anything else. Let's get that taken care of, and then we can talk about the logistics of, of shutting down the church. Yeah, cool. 
Yeah, our church has done something similar with the, the food pantry after school program. We we actually have a K through eight school, oh, wow. but we have had to shut that down. Okay. Um, hey, 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 don't rub your eyes. Oh, <laughs> sorry. Hey. Dave's looking out for me. I appreciate that. Um, you know, so we've had to shut some things down. We, we, we've done a little more home visits, but um, really small numbers. Uh, and if you can't go into the house, you don't go into the house. You can talk to somebody from outside the house. So we're, we're just trying some little things like that. Um, yeah, uh, I would say uh, three. Th- so our church is smaller than Joe's church. Uh, and it's still in a church plant phase. So we've got maybe four. 45 adults and we have house groups and the house groups are really important so we have developed a a pattern of doing zoom house groups house groups at our church are 10 to 15 adults some kids the kids almost make it impossible to meet because they intermingle and do all the things you're not supposed to do during this time sure but we actually eat put the computer on the table and we eat together we discuss life, and then we have an hour. Uh, after that hour, we have an hour of uh, a question that we now engage what's going on uh, in terms of our lives, in terms of discipleship issues in our neighborhood, and then we pray together for half an hour. We still do that, and it's been great. The second thing we do is we, we well, this is like, I think I already said this in the last podcast, but we put this little note out. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're all probably, a lot of us are probably going to get sick. It's like, Two lines. Uh, we just want you to know we're here. Here's our email. Here's our phone number. And so, by the way, if I told this story last time, forgive me, folks, but it's so good. Uh, <laughs> my wife is yelling at me for hoarding the toilet paper. Okay, I got a little nervous when I bought some toilet paper. Harriet from behind the alley calls up, and Harriet's uh, an elderly person, recently had hip surgery. I need toilet paper. Boom. Just because we put that note in her. Yeah. her so, and so, your wife went and took all of the toilet paper. She took one. <laughs> <laughs> Not all of it, but I just want to say I was redeemed for, for hoarding the toilet paper. Awesome. Uh, Amen. The other thing is we do house visits, but we only do it on days when you can sit outside. Mm-hmm. And uh, I made one yesterday. Uh, uh, called, called up a friend uh, in the church and said, let's go take a walk. In the neighborhood, let's check in with people. Uh, six feet, all the precautions. But those face-to-face uh, visits. We had somebody uh, last night uh, share dinner out in the backyard with somebody uh, in the neighborhood in the church. And and it's just uh, uh, those visits, I think, might be the most important thing we can do. Because, you know, loneliness is a subtle killer. Yeah. Depression is a subtle killer equally as well as maybe a, a, a virus killer. We need strength to withstand the, the virus, and, and this is the way Jesus and his presence works in the neighborhood. So those are the three things we're doing, and we're doing it very locally, and, and I just believe we need to cultivate those spaces over and over and over again through the coming days, maybe weeks, maybe months, and God will get us through and we'll be stronger at the end. Yeah. I think maybe a gift for the church and I've heard all three of us at separate occasions be critical of this, but um, it's helping us reimagine what it might look like to do discipleship beyond Sunday. You know, there's still this, there's still kind of this default assumption that Sunday is when we primarily shape people into the likeness of Christ. 
but this is giving us an opportunity to say, well, wh- what do you do if you can't meet on Sunday? What does that look like? So yeah. I think it's opening up some space for us to be creative. Um, some, share some things we're doing inside of the church, um, similar to um, you all. Uh, we have a daily conference call, um, not Zoom, just regular phone. Mm-hmm. Dial in. We know some, yep. some of our elder members are not necessarily good with technology, but they can use a phone. Yes. Um, so we have a daily conference call. People call in, check in. How's everybody doing? Um, and then we end that with prayer. We're doing that um, Monday through Friday. That's being led uh, every day by different ministers um, in the church. And then we also, as best as we could, put together um, a list of all of our seniors in the church and all those who are either uh, sick and shut in in the mm-hmm. church as well. And so we took them and we divided uh, them up amongst the um, ministers and the deacons in the church. Everyone has about four or five that they're to call at least once a week uh, to call in and check in. How are you doing? Do you need anything? Someone go to the store for you? Someone go get medicine for you? Mm-hmm. Or just to have a conversation just to make sure people are not isolated and lonely, um, just to touch in with them. So those are kind of the things we're doing internally as a church, uh, just to check on the, uh, the church community itself. Uh, to make sure that everyone's doing all right and to try to keep some sense of community um, as best as we can. Yeah. Yeah. That's great, great ideas. Yeah, that's good. Is there anything else on your guys' minds percolating? Thoughts? Okay, I have one negative thought. We've okay. been talking about everything positive and all the good things. <laughs> okay. Uh, and then and then we probably should wrap this thing up. All but, right. Uh, and, and I hate to bring it on a downer, but what do you think about broadcasting your church services and opening it up to everybody and anybody. Oh, I see what you're saying. Delocalizing it. And in essence, I fear, you know, we're trying to play on celebrityism or what do you think about that? Yeah. So what you're saying is you're just competing with everybody else for the best good and the best service yeah, in this I big marketplace we, of Sunday morning worship. Let's tone that down. <laughs> That's your language. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I, it sounds like the, the critique or the concern is that uh, what I'm preaching on Sunday over video is just kind of for anybody. It's not particular. It's not... To my context. To, to my context and to my community. Go so, ahead, Joe. So let me critique that a little bit, but is it not still contextual to your context um, if your message is not... If your message is still court, or curtailed to... The people that you serve in your mm-hmm. congregation, right, right. So, uh, uh, if you are aiming your broadcast, let's call it, uh, to your local congregation, I'm fine with that. Yep. But I fear that. <clears throat> so, okay, I have friends, yep. believe it or not, and and some, one or two. <laughs> some of them are maybe famous, maybe sure. too famous for their own good, sure. and now they're broadcasting their services so anybody and everybody can get it. Now, look, my mom. Mom, if you're listening, I love you. My mom listens to a very famous uh, Bible teacher on radio. And my mom's 92, and she can't always get out to church. And I must admit, she's blessed by that. Mm. But uh, somehow I fear we could turn into celebrity competitions, broadcast services. Is that that just me being paranoid again? No, no, I I think that's a legitimate concern. I agree. I've heard of, of a few churches that have... Um, had people drive up in their parking lot, roll your window down, and they've they've done the sermon from the parking lot. You set up some speakers, or you get one of those FM transmitters you can put in, put into your car, and you just do the service from the parking lot. My dad used to do drive-in church yeah. in the 70s. Yeah. Really? Bring, bring it back. Yeah. In the 70s. Wow. Bring it back. 
Well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we're just about out of time. Yeah. Have you got anything to add, or Joe, before we wrap this I mean, baby up? The last thing I would add is I, I think it's good for those of us who are observing the liturgical calendar to remember this is Lent. It, it, it kind of got lost, and, and Easter right. is coming, but, but Lent, we always start Lent with um, the reminder that you are from dust, and to dust you will return. And the coronavirus is a pretty sober reminder that the, the only source of our hope is, is in Jesus during this time. Absolutely. Uh, let me say this, Mike, and add this on to uh, what you're saying. I think it's definitely important to remember that we're in Lent. Um, yes, Easter is coming, but I think it's also re- important that we remember um, Easter is a time of remembrance of what Christ did in raising from the grave. So even if we cannot gather on Easter, whenever we do have an opportunity to gather again, that still is a resurrection celebration that still can be had, even though it may not align with the American calendar. Yeah, yeah, that's good. That's good. Um, And then lastly, I will say this. I think it's important as we talk about COVID-19 and we're watching what the government is doing um, right now to try to get a stimulus package, which is bad language because it's not a stimulus, but topic for another day. Um, I think it's important that the church not be silent during this time to ensure that whatever taxpayer dollars are going out, that they start with the least of these. Um, that is what the Word of God has told us. That's what Christ, who Christ was concerned about. It's important that the church still be concerned about the least of these. Yeah. And whatever comes out of the government, it should start with the least of these, those mm-hmm. who are most vulnerable, um, those who are, are at the risk of losing um, their homes, their jobs. Um, we have to start with them when it comes to support um, during this time. And this yeah. will be, uh, what I want to say, this will be the thing we remember. Uh, Paul says, by the way, remember the poor. Be with, mm-hmm. remember, keep them in your mind, but be present with them. Remember, remember is not a cognitive thing right. uh, in the New Testament. It's a presence thing. Mm-hmm. And all, <clears throat> all I want to say is, um, you know, I don't know how to overthrow the U.S. government. <laughs> but there are small, Don't try. But there are small Don't things try. that we can do. Like, for instance, Absolutely. when we get these checks, yeah. those of us who don't need them can maybe pool them. Absolutely. Yep. To go help those who do need them. We have some people in our neighborhood who probably are not going to get a check. They're restaurant workers. They're immigrants. They pro- might even be illegal, and they mm-hmm. are going to be marginalized. Can we please reach out? And this will be the legacy of the church. Yeah, that's good. And this will be this place of renewal and revival in the church in the coming days. And if we ignore and we don't do the, this great commandment of Jesus, then uh, I feel an opportunity to be kingdom will be lost forever. Fence, I like the way you think. You may have just got yourself a new church member <laughs> right nice. here. Really? <laughs> oh, now I have one. I got to try to pastor. Now we're up. Uh, now we're up to fifty-two. Uh, okay. <laughs> well, jo- uh, Joe's going to be on a, a webinar later on today. I, this probably won't be produced in time, but Joe's talking with President Shield and a few other pastors today uh, at one p.m. I think. Are they doing 1:00? it live and in person? I, I I think it's I think it's lot no no I think it's a uh, I think it's Zoom, Zoom. oh okay. Okay. Yeah, okay we're doing Zoom gotcha. yeah we we're dinosaurs we 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 got to come in here yeah. and be we're old show. school yeah <laughs> yeah we do. hey by the way one last thing quarantine did you realize quarantine means forty days huh no Lent is that Latin huh I think it's Latin. core cor- forty yeah. days yeah I did not know that wow quarantine oh wow. <clears throat> 
folks, there's something. You learn something new every day at Theology on Mission podcast. It's been great to have Pastor Joe Mitchell yes, with us. Absolutely, it's been Appreciate a great to it. gather, even though we did it illegally. <laughs> We're going to go home now and get safe again. Yes, and and we pray you all be safe, but mm-hmm. also absolutely be witnesses to the kingdom. Make space for the presence of Christ to come and be among our neighborhoods, our hurting, our poor. In Jesus' name we pray. Till next time, it's over and out. Dave Fitch. Joe Mitchell, thank you. Appreciate it. Mike Moore. Over and out.